ladies and gentlemen, I want this to be known. If you are into lifting, squatting, pressing, you're into hip thrusting, you're into back extensions, name another exercise. I guarantee you, you can get it at Electrum Performance with the one and only Alex Sterner. Alex Sterner, I do an impression of. I've been doing it on Instagram. He doesn't like it. Well, he's going to have to deal <laughs> with it. All of his students, a lot of autos people have been messaging me. They're saying, oh, my goodness, you have the best Alex Sterner impression. I tell you what, I'm not going to stop. Open Guard Cast 25 is the code that you need to use for more Alex Sterner impressions, all right? So my name is Jake Watson. I'm joined by Danny O'Donnell, and this is the Open Guard Cast. We are here with Lucas Valente. I've known Lucas for a long time. Lucas, how are you, man? Great, uh, great, Jake. Man, it's really good to have you on, dude. Uh, I, I met you at Purple Ball at American Nationals, I think, in like 2016. And ever since then, you've just been on this crazy, awesome rise, and uh, it's really cool to be able to meet on this kind of platform. Uh, we haven't met on the mat since, but you've just been doing so great, dude. And it's awesome to see how you've been not just carrying yourself, but also competing. Thanks so much, Jake. Appreciate it. So super glad to be here with you guys today. Awesome. Well, hey, man, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm going to let Danny carry away the first question. Uh, the dynamic of this podcast, Lucas, is that we're trying to just really get to the bottom of what makes athletes so special uh, while also showing them, hey, man, like, we're, we're trying to inspire the people who are listening and show them that, hey, we're human beings too. And someone like you who's incredibly successful in jiu-jitsu, you're, even just the way that we are trying to break down athletes is hoping to inspire people. So, Danny, I'll let you take the first question. So we usually start the show just trying to dig into like how our guests got started in jiu-jitsu. So do you want to talk about like how old you were when you got started, um, what academy you got started at, stuff like that? Yeah, Danny, so uh, my study was very, very natural. You know, uh, I have I have two uncles who who are my my professor students for over 25 years now. You know, so when I was born, uh, they were um, I don't remember if they were black belts as soon as uh, when I was born, or they were about to be black belts at that time. So uh, when I was born, but I mean they were extremely involved in jiu-jitsu, you know, and um, so when I was born. I already had this straight contact with jiu-jitsu and uh, because my my mom, she used to work, she used to be a director at the hospital at that time, you know, and she used to work until six. So I used to stay at my uncle's house until she could pick me up from work. And um, at that time, like my uncle had a, a big mat at his house. So he would go to Grace Barra BH, that is my hometown gym. He was, uh, so they used to go there, train, and then after training, him and other really, uh, really known jiu-jitsu athletes at the time, uh, then, then now even how famous from Gracie Barnes kind of stuff, they used to go there to train. And uh, by coincidence, I was there, you know? So they started just like playing with me and, you know, like, this this type of play that you do with kids on the mat, you know, like playing guard with them, and so uh, basically that's how I got started, you know. So it was always very natural for me. That's really cool. That's uh having family that does jiu-jitsu with you. Was there like a big competition? Like when you started to get really involved in jiu-jitsu, was there like competition to like the better you got, you would roll with them and like, haha, remember when I was a kid and you used to beat me up? Now look at me, kind of thing. <laughs> Man. Like not really. My my uncle until nowadays he's he's uh one of them, he's my physical trainer. Mm -hmm. 
know, when he's just like he's actually in um in the Emirates now teaching the the special forces. Oh wow. You know, so like he's just he was always like my mentor, you know, and he like the first day that I submitted him, you know, he was just like happy about it, you know, he was <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he was never like upset about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So incredible because like everybody around me, man, I, I think I was, I was very blessed with the people around me, you know, because Drac is, he's, he's like, he's my godfather, you know, and uh, him, my uncle, all the professors that I had throughout my journey, they always pour everything on me, you know, they, they never really hid any secrets from me, let's put it that way, you know, so I believe that every time that I did something, either against somebody or even with them that that would that would definitely make them happy Mm -hmm. and that's more of like what i meant in a family like a really friendly uh loving way you know like because when you grow up with your brother you have friendly competition with your brother and you're like ah my older brother's a little stronger than me i want to get a little stronger so i can even the tides and uh it's just really it's really cool to hear that that's kind of a day it's kind of a unique beginning story huh i feel like a lot of people usually start jiu-jitsu on their own and then they move somewhere well, at least what we've seen on our podcast is they move somewhere to approach jiu-jitsu in a higher way but you've been surrounded by it so that's that's very interesting yeah and uh interesting fact so my older brother he's a year older than me he started just like myself right but uh then he's he stopped you know he he pursued more uh uh let's see let's say i it career you know he he's actually a, a streamer on uh, on twitch you know oh, so cool. so he, he plays a lot of video games and uh he understands a lot of computers kind of stuff and then uh he used it he trained a little bit on his on uh when he was a teenager also and um so he trained as a kid as a teenager and then but he always stopped he never kept going and then he actually came to visit me and then he met a girl and he got married here in Texas. And uh, I graduated him uh, blue belt last week. Nice. That's really cool. I had the, yeah. I had the pleasure of promoting my cousin to blue belt as well. That's my only person I promoted was my cousin. He lost 130 pounds doing jiu-jitsu. And I was able to promote him to blue belt. And that was amazing, you know. And then, like, I did his uh, introductory blue belt role with me uh, Andressa recorded so she sent to my family right and, and I was just doing like this crazy stuff of him throwing him around and my mom was like Lucas don't do this with your brother <laughs> <laughs> is he your uh, older or younger brother older uh, <laughs> that's even that's gotta be as a mother that's gotta be even funnier like like how much older is he than you he's like one year and three months one year three pretty months close. that is pretty close so one thing that you uh, brought up that I thought was pretty interesting is you mentioned that Draculino is actually your godfather. And uh, like I feel like a lot of the top guys that we interview who are really good competitors, they have like uh, really good role model- models or really good mentors. So do you feel like having someone like Draculino like from a young age growing up with him and having him guide you and other people in Gracie Baja, do you feel like that was a huge uh, kind of like catalyst for all your success? 100% Danny. 100%. Because, I mean, you, 
man, when you start and when you get uh, your black belt so young, like uh, I got, like Jay God, you know, it's, you don't, I mean, it's it's a new journey, you know, you don't, you're, you're so young, you, I, I would say you barely lived, you know, so ev everything is new. So, I mean, not, not just on the black belt level, but even before that, you know, so if you don't really know what you're doing, the chance of you messing up, it's it's huge. And when I say mess up, I don't mean like not being successful, you know, but maybe not showing people uh, a good personality or not developing a good character, you know, it's it's so easy to mess up on that if you were to do things on your own, you know, so that's definitely something that helped me and uh, that I always look to 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 learn from people that that did what I want to do already you know I always ask questions I always like to talk to them and I have so many like good mentors that uh that became friends not just from Gracie Barra you know but uh but like uh Gustavo for example from Arizona you know we always talk he always gives me good insights uh Homelu Bahau, you know he's also from my home gym and um I always learn a lot from him also Braulio Draco himself you know so I believe that uh you know I mean doesn't matter how much you think you know you 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 don't know how as much as people who already did it you know right mm -hmm. yeah and and that's that's another big thing uh, and I was actually very excited to ask you about this <clears throat> but um you've been you've been raised and you've been very open and uh to, to people who are great to you and you've received many many lessons from the people around you've grown up around great people and that is so powerful and i think that that's one of the things that has a lot to do with your faith in god and something that i am also very passionate about is following a life with jesus christ and that's what we're called to do is to raise the youth to be good people and you're a shining example of that by the way but uh to start i would very much like to hear do you have like a were you always a disciple or <clears throat> did you always have a relationship with Jesus or did it come later in your life? Jake, I would say I, I was always a Christian, mm -hmm. you know, I was baptized, uh, baptized when I was a kid and, and all of that. But um, I, I would say around 14 years old is when I really started like understanding it and, and committing to it. Mm -hmm. No, I and I think that's actually something that came through through fighting, you know, through jujitsu, and it's actually one of my goals is to to do to to people who are coming to are coming to jujitsu now to do what happened to me, because I use it to watch, uh, let's suppose UFC or just in general, and then I would see this these specific fighters praising God and. You know, like thanking him and walking out with uh, with gospel music, and be like, like okay, so I'm Christian too, so just like this guy, but why does that make it like why is he making this such a big deal? You know, and then I start looking uh, for answers and and understanding that you know because I was something because I, I was I grew up to be that way. I grew up to be a Christian. You know, but until I fully understood and looked for my own answers, you know, it, it wasn't uh, the way that I wanted.
And then as I saw those guys, like, okay, so this guy that inspires me so much is praising God. Why? You know, and that's that's definitely something that I wanna I wanna do now. Yeah, and you brought up and like uh, just makes me think. Since now, I mean, you you even one thing that I learned just in my reflection and being in the Word is uh, Jesus calls his disciples to not just speak the gospel, but also to live the gospel. And a lot of Christians turn people away from Christianity by denying Christ by their lifestyle. Like they don't live as a Christian behind closed doors. They don't live like a Christian in front of the eyes of people they don't know. So, But you don't do that. You're very good about not doing that, which is one thing that I admire about you. When I met you at Third Coast, it was it – was, uh, oh, I met you again at Third Coast anyway. I noticed that because it's something that I'm pretty new. I was baptized only a year ago. So it was I, – I recently have been saved by Jesus. But – as a Christian athlete, and this is good for me to hear too, what are there some difficulties that you have had to like, like the spirit has been changing in you? And are there some things that you've noticed like, wow, my old life is kind of like, it's so contrary to how I want to live now. Are there things that you see as an athlete that are different now? Jake, so this is actually something that uh, it has a lot to do with the Bible itself, but also with the, the people that I had around me. You know, so I always had a great example of athlete on my uncle, the one that is my trainer now, because I remember when I was a kid, he had uh, his competition gi, he had this uh, this patch on that is actually used sometimes nowadays too, uh, Jesus Warrior. But then I was a kid and I was like, what is a, a warrior of Jesus, you know? And I couldn't understand that, but then I knew <coughs> how disciplined my uncle was and everything, but also uh by understanding the by learning from the bible like cuz i mean like i told you we we get into this world to get into the profession without knowing so if you don't have a guide it really is to mess up and just like i had those mentors to help me in jiu jitsu you know i think the best guide you can ever have for life is the bible itself you know so by i think by seeing those people that inspired me like my uncle brought my attention to 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 the teachings of of the of the gospel of of the bible right and then made me want to follow the stuff the the teachings of the bible you know so i'm i'm really happy to say that not because i did anything right but just you know just because i was led that way somehow I wasn't a person that really needed that really needed to mess up a lot in life to be able to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, <clears throat> I think I was able to to follow the the. I mean, of of course we mess up a lot, you know, but I mean I wasn't a person that had to to do a lot of wrong things in life to be able to to get it straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? you've been blessed in that way. Yes. But you've been protected in that way, which is one, that's what I that's like when you were talking about all the people you've been around who have like led you in the right way. That is a huge blessing that not everybody receives. Everybody, some people, you know, I, I wasn't uh, my mom is a beautiful, devout disciple of Jesus. Right. But like my father and my and my brother are not. And I live with them. But it's it that's just everybody's journey is a little bit different. Everybody comes to it in their own unique way. And hearing like an athlete's perspective, I mean, Danny, 
you've heard of Benil Dariush, who is in the yeah. UFC, mm-hmm. very devout Christian, very outspoken about how much he carries God with him into every challenge. And regardless of victory or loss, praise God. And I mean, Andre Galvão, huge example. His name, his gym is Atos, which in the Bible is Acts, Atos dos, dos Apostolos, right? Is that the, how you say it in the, the mm-hmm. Biblia Sagrada? Uh, yes. I have that book. I'm actually, I'm studying the Portuguese Bible too. I'm studying both right. so I can Portuguese. No, I'm not going to flex too hard, but you know, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm doing my best. <laughs> so I have a question for, uh, for both of you guys, actually. So a lot of times people say that like athletes, especially pro athletes, like they have to be a little bit selfish. They have to focus on themselves a lot, um, you know, to get the best results in competition and stuff like that. So do you feel like it's challenging sometimes to be a little bit selfish and focus on yourself preparing for competition and then try to balance that with like leading people or, you know, um, focusing on others, I guess you could say. Jay, go for it. So the, the th- I actually think about this sometimes, right? So we are approaching our own dreams and we're approaching our own ambitions. We have to wake up and work out and we're receiving help from other people. We're having to, you know, take up space in the fridge. And there's just so many things that go into it. So many small things and a lot of big things that go into becoming successful. But I think one of the main things that I focused on is what are you being, why are you becoming successful? Like, do you want to become successful so you can have a lot of money and focus on yourself? Or do you want to become successful because you want to give all the glory in your life and you want to depend on Jesus as a Christian. Like I depend fully on my faith to carry me through hard obstacles and through hard things. And my goal is to let the gospel of Jesus shine through my jujitsu and through how I carry myself. Because man, I mean, you guys have seen, I got choked out by Gabriel Argus and I, man, I got up, shook his hand and I'm trying to become friends with him. I want to spread the gospel to him just because I lost doesn't mean I have to feel like I didn't accomplish something because I've already accomplished a lot. I am dead to sin. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm alive in Jesus. So that's what I carry. And I also think like, you know, on airplanes, when they say you got to put the oxygen mask over yourself before you help other people, it's another thing you got to think about. Sometimes you have to be like, just the nature of the world is you have to be a little selfish. Sometimes it's just how selfish do you actually need to be? Be honest with yourself. Are you being overly selfish or are you really trying to give your life for other people and only doing what's necessary for yourself? And that's the kind of fine line that I draw. Lucas, what is your take? Amazing answer, Jake, and great question, Danny. So I agree with that. To be a a pro athlete and to be successful, you need to be selfish, you know, at some point. But uh, very close to what Jake said, and uh, I think I actually answered that to Jake on Instagram the other day on the, on the questions. Like, being, me being selfish to be uh, successful on my, on, my, on my career doesn't, may, may not be, may not mean that I'm actually being selfish. Why do I mean by that? Because if my goal is, like, and I know God blessed me with, with my talent, with my dedication and all of that, right? And how do I honor that? I honor that by working hard, by amplifying the gifts he gave me. And I do that by sometimes being selfish. But if, if me being selfish can help me get to the point where I get people to look at me, just, just like when I was a kid, I look at those fighters and be like, 
okay, so why does that guy that inspires me so much praise God that much? And help them look look for Christianity, then I, I don't think I'm being selfish. Yeah. You know, it's a very interesting point, and I want to bring up this because this is actually going to prove your point specifically. The definition of selfish in the dictionary is lacking consideration for others concerned chiefly, meaning specifically and only with one's own personal profit or pleasure. If you are working on yourself and you are not disparaging other people and you are working to glorify God, then you're not being selfish at all. You are being necessary to yourself. And I love that answer, too. It's a great addition uh, I'm glad. And uh, you know what's funny is I feel like uh, people who really live for Jesus will give you the same answer. Because, I mean, look, I feel like if we brought Benil Dariush on the show right now, he'd probably say the same thing. Because, man, he lo- at the end of the day, Lucas, you love jiu-jitsu? Yes. Man, love jiu- I know you love jiu-jitsu. You love Jesus? Yes. Whew, that's it. <laughs> the two answers. He said yes to both. You're good. And I know that you have the right intention. So that's like – and that's – that's why, like, spreading the gospel to other people, I, and I, it's obviously we're called to do it. Um, but if people could Danny, understand that. Danny, think about this, guys. If I go to the gym and uh, instead of just training really hard, I start just helping people out. On their eyes, I'm not going to be selfish at all at that point, right? But if I do that, I mean, of course, not a day, but if I do that over time, then that's not gonna lead me to the to the success that I am, and if and not getting there means that I'm not gonna reach as much as many people as I want or as I would getting there. You know, so sometimes being selfish now means being means being uh, means being a greater Christian later on instead mm-hmm. of being or not being selfish now may not help you in the long term you know yeah yeah i think that's a a great answer because i know there's a lot of people who look up to both you guys they see the type of lifestyle that you're living like you're being healthy you're working hard and you know that can have an impact that you don't see all the time like that could lead people to better habits and you know just being more positive overall so i think those great answers from both you guys yeah well it's very important um it's incredibly important to stay and look at the state of the world right now like uh, a lot of christians are doing a lot of really great work, but there's a lot of people dying for their faith, and we got to be a light. We got to. We're called to bring heaven to earth. You know what I mean? Amen, Lucas. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, actually, I have another question for you. Uh, yeah. uh, back to jujitsu. Uh, I remember being at the World Championship where you had your. Uh, very, it was a peculiar run, but it was with uh, an, a run to the final, and in that tournament, you. We're, uh, in the World Championship 2019, I'm, I'm alluding to. You had two fights, one against Guilherme Hocha. Whoa, really? <laughs> He's a, Guilherme Hocha like the uh, the the one – no, no, no. Sorry, wrong one. There's a Guilherme Hocha in uh, Fortaleza, Brazil, who is Mike. He trained my professor. I was like, what? Did you fight him? <laughs> but uh, – and then Johnny Loredo. And then I think you were supposed to fight the winner of Levi Leary and someone else, but they both got disqualified, correct? So what was that like finding that out? Because that was on Saturday that that happened. And then you would have fought Levi in the quarter of Levi or whoever he fought in the quarterfinals on Sunday. When did you find that out and what was going through your head at that moment? Jake, honestly, I wasn't thinking about about much. You know, I just mm-hmm. wanted to, to win. And uh, 
man, it's not really your choice who who comes into your way or who doesn't come into your way in a tournament, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I actually figured that out, right? I mean, I was watching the fight, mm-hmm. you know, because I was about to step on the mat right after that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, and it was, they both just got disqualified, right? Like, because Le- Levi and I have had a match, and that same thing almost happened. We both almost got disqualified at Purple Belt. So when I heard that he once again uh, did the double pull for too long, I was like, man, I was like, he got disqualified for that? It's crazy. Jake, I mean, not not about that specific situation, you know, but mm-hmm. you have you have four chances of not getting DQ for stalling. Yeah. You know, and and that's a hell lot of chance, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's a lot of chance, especially because <laughs> the first one's a warning. Nothing even happens after the first one. Really, you should only get three. They should know by now, but you still got a warning. You know, yeah. So, uh, I mean, doesn't change much for me, you know. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much so uh, they both lost. They both made made the decision off not moving, you know, so. That's true. It's very awkward. Uh, it's a very awkward situation to probably watch, I imagine. But then you had a great match with Hanato Canuto, and seem, I, I, like I said earlier in the show, Lucas, you and I have had a match, and I uh, I realized back then that I probably wasn't going to pass your card at that point. It's very hard <laughs> to pass. And then I was reminded against Hanato. I was like, man, I was like, Hanato, like, that tournament he was doing really good, and then you just, like, he couldn't do anything. It was just, it, it felt like you did such a great job of locking him down. And I was in the stands. I, I think I was brown belt at this time. I know I was brown, but at this time I didn't get my black belt until after after Worlds that year. But uh, I remember watching the fight and be like, "Dude, like, what is it gonna take? I'm gonna have to like pop off one of your legs and just take it off completely <laughs> to pass the guard." But it was a very good fight, man. And that run ended with your fight with Lucas Lepre. Yeah. Uh, and I know you've you've definitely said a lot about uh, not not a lot, but you very respectfully. And I know you caught flack for this, which is ridiculous, but you very respectfully called out Lucas Lepre. And it wasn't even really a call. It was more of like a, hey, I feel like I want to fight Lucas Lepre. Uh, has, has there been any rumblings of like signing that and making it happen? Or is what's what's um, the progress on that coming to fruition? Jake, so here's the thing. Like it, it was like flow grappling and came, you know, like posted an article and video. Oh, Lucas calls like Lucas calls out Lucas and stuff. But uh, man, I believe that a call out is uh, is something that I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, I I don't feel it's necessary. But when uh, when Heigo asked me on the stage after uh, my fight to win fight, mm-hmm. who I would like to fight, you know, I would say I would like to fight Lucas. You know, and uh, on and on flow grappling itself. At, at that time, Lucas was, I believe, uh, number one, and uh, I was number two on the world ranking. Besides, okay. besides the result of Worlds, of course, you know? So at that point, I don't see anybody who would be a better fit to fight him than me, right? Yeah. Working on, on uh, I mean, any politics aside or anything like that, you know, just... Uh, who fights the the champion of UFC, the number one contender, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, as it should be. Exactly. So I mean, they asked me who I would like to fight, and I said that I would like to fight him. 
was completely different than calling somebody out like, hey, uh, like, hey, I would like to fight you. Let's do mm-hmm. that. You know, I would never do that. Lucas Leprit, you're taking everything I work for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so so it's not like uh, I called him out. You know, what would mm. be uh, my desire uh, to fight him again? I fought, I fought him one time. Would would be nice to fight again. You know, but uh, for the Jake, no, nothing, um, nothing on signing that fight yet. All right, that'd be a big fight. To be yeah. honest, I don't know how how no one has done that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anybody any any tournaments that have a lot of money to throw around or nothing like that. But Third Coast or Fight to Win or one of these companies, you know, <laughs> that's man, Third Coast. You've done a lot of Third Coast too, man. Like you are a Third Coast's uh, what is it, 170 pound champion. How does that championship work? And I don't mean to hog the mic, Danny. It was really interesting. No, you're and okay. I have like questions floating in my head right Go now. For it. Um, how does the championship work with that? Is it like you are you the current belt holder, or was that like a championship win? Are you gonna have like a, a challenge coming up with that? Have you been in talks with Ryan McGuire? No, I be, I believe it's kind of like uh, like UFC kind of. So you are the, the the current belt holder. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right. So I actually wanted to know because obviously the match with Lepre is going to be an awesome match. Everyone's looking forward to that. But you were actually supposed to fight JT Torres. I believe yeah. that was for the for the belt for Third Coast. Uh, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. But um, is that a fight that you think they're going to reschedule coming up pretty soon? Because I know they've been having a lot of events, and man, that fight would be insane. That's one that I really want to see. I was devastated when uh, Corona started because it was. Man, for, for real, like I, I kind of wanted to cry at that point. <laughs> it was, uh, I believe, it was a Sunday. Then I fought Houston Open, and then on the next Friday, I was supposed to fight JT. Mm-hmm. And on the weekend after that was Pan Am's, and uh, on the two other weekends after that, uh, I had seminars scheduled. Right. So, and then on on Wednesday. On Wednesday, I get a call. It's like, hey, uh, JT can't come anymore because of this corona thing. And I was like, well, what is corona? Like, well, what the <laughs> heck is that? You know, what is COVID, whatever. You know, and then I was like, no, you're kidding me? What do you mean you're going to cancel? And, you know, like, no, we're trying, we're trying. And then on Thursday, they they say, yeah, they confirm. So JT is not coming. Uh, we're gonna have to limit the the number of uh, of spectators at the event, and uh, we we found a replacement on Pedro Rocha, right? That I actually fought mm-hmm. last month. So and then I was like, okay, I'm good. I got I still gonna defend my title on Friday. That was Thursday, and then on Friday, I got a call that the government told to shut everything down. That I wouldn't have any fight, you know. And then I at that point I actually. I actually call uh, John Gabriel and and ask him and uh, to tell him, you know, like, hey, so I don't think me and Pedro gonna fight because of this, this and that. And he was like, damn, we we are already on our way, so we're just gonna we're just gonna make a U-turn and go back, you know. But and then there was this rumor that Pan Ams would get canceled, and I was like, please don't, please don't, you know. <laughs> I did my periodization, you know, I. Man, for real, like I, I never felt better in my in my whole career at that point. And then I I talked to Drac, and Drac was like, hey, so I was talking to some IBJJF people, and they said that Pan Am's gonna get canceled, but nothing was official yet. There wasn't any letter, there wasn't anything yet. And I was like, please, that's just be a rumor, it's kind of stuff. 
and then bottom line, Pan Am's got canceled, and my seminars got canceled. So all my plans for that month got canceled pretty much on a two days uh, time frame. Oh my gosh, that that sucks. <laughs> That's the worst. <laughs> Yeah, that was gonna be my first year, uh, my first Pan Ams as a black belt too. I was pretty upset. I hope, I hope the IBJJF will like keep your points that you made, because having think, to qualify again will be kind of rough. I, I, I think they will. I mean, okay. it would be the right thing to do. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. I was super pumped. Leandro Lowe signed up in my bracket. I was like, let's go. <laughs> this is my year. I'm feeling good. I was actually riding like a big win streak going into Pan Ams too, so I was doing well. But man. I can't wait till they open back up. I mean, they're I mean, they already have the Oklahoma City Open and the Texas Open yeah. coming up, or the the Houston Open. Austin coming up again, or Austin. Yeah. Uh, it's not Arizona. It's the same. Thing. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, no, man. It's it's. Uh, are you in Austin or Houston? Houston. You're in Houston. Okay. So you you're right next to. Oh, I saw you working out at the uh, the Sanctuary Gym. Yeah. With, uh, with Cassidy. Yeah. That gym is so cool. The gym. That's the gym. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Sanctuary Gym in Friendswood in Houston, Texas, is uh, the home of the Third Coast Grappling Kumite Series, and there are, it's it's basically a Christian-based workout gym that plays worship music, and, like, it's just a really awesome environment to work out in. Uh, it's really cool. I wanted to work out there, but I had to leave the next day. And Ryan McGuire, I will never forgive you for putting me on Frontier Airlines. That was the <laughs> worst. That was the worst experience of my life. I will bring that up on episode 170. I don't care. <laughs> I, will, I will bring that up forever. But, uh, yeah, it's a really nice place. Texas is cool, man. You ever been to Texas, yeah. Danny? Yeah, I've been there multiple times. Oh, Houston, Texas. Austin, and Dallas. Nice. Yeah, I love, te- I love Texas. Yeah, Texas nice. is cool, man. Texas is a cool state. I remember uh, – well, do you like um, – so you live in Houston. But yeah. do you, have you been to Austin? Do you like Austin? Yeah, I love Austin, man. You've been to Third Street? Yeah. Dude, Third Street's weird. Third Street's like we have a uh, Mill Avenue here in Arizona. It's like it's like Arizona Third Street. Mm-hmm. Third Street, Danny. They like open up the roads, and you've been to Austin, yeah? You've been to Third Street? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't need to explain it to you. They open up the <laughs> roads, and they have like a bunch of dancers and, and artists, and it's really really cool stuff. Just on a Saturday. So it's a, like, it's a, a good vibes place. I love it there. Oh, it's super cool. They close down the streets, and people are walking the streets. We saw a guy who had, like, a bunch of snakes. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> he looked like um, 2 chains. He literally was, like, a 6'6 six six dude. It looked like 2 chains. 2 snakes. That's what I called him, actually. He was like, yep, yeah, that's what they call me. <laughs> Danny. That's funny. So one thing that you mentioned uh, that was difficult about the corona was that you were, like, periodizing your training. So I'm guessing you that means, like, you were uh, kind of, like, doing your final preparations for Pan Ams. Yeah. So once everything got like shut down, was it difficult to, cause you were, I'm sure you were working on a schedule and you were like preparing to peak for a certain performance. So was it difficult to kind of like rearrange everything in your training once there were no competitions coming up? Then it was because uh, like one year or not, you know, it's just, um, you, you can only peak a, f- uh, a few times a year, right? Yeah. You cannot fight at your, at your peak every weekend you know may and peak might be uh mentally or physically or technically you know when like you can only fight with all those things aligned a few times a year right otherwise you just you know cure yourself yeah Yeah. it's true it's very true so um i i did i had to do uh 
um, how do I put that? I had to readjust, you know, but the good thing was, the good thing is I have Andresa with me, you know, so when everything got locked down, uh, I looked to her and I said, okay, so we don't know when everything is going to open again. Like we have no idea what this thing is, you know, because at, when everything closed, no, nobody really knew what was going on, you know, so yeah. like. We don't know when you're going to fight again. Some people were saying 15 days. Some people were saying 2021. You know, so I was like, let's do this. Let's make a, a, a schedule for this quarantine. How long? Doesn't matter how long it will last. We'll make a, a schedule for it. We wake up and we do everything we got to do without having to think about it. You know, because... If you wake up and you think about it like, oh, so I don't have anything scheduled, I don't have any fight coming up, you know, it's 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 kind of depressing, you know? Yeah, for so, sure. Like, let's just wake up, you know, eat breakfast, do whatever we do, and do the work that we we set our uh, we set up for it to do. You know, there's not much to think about it. So that's how we kept training during the whole quarantine without having to to actually slow down. You know, you just kept like a strong mind and and uh, faith, of course. Of course, can't say can't stress that enough. Your strength and conditioning was that something that you really kept up with? We get, we bring that up on the show a lot. Was that something you really kept up with uh, during like the quarantine? And was that I mean, because you couldn't really train jujitsu. How much did the strength and conditioning keep you feeling good? Man, so I did uh, two times a week, but also uh, like I told you. I have Andresa, and um, I also have uh, a couple guys who I have somebody staying with me here now, uh, a, a really tough brown belt, Jordan, you know, and um, I like Jordan. And, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, and Jordan also um, other people that were living by themselves. So we were able to get together, those people, like we were isolated, you know, so we, we, we built like a, a really small group that we we made the decision of nobody leaving the house, nobody doing anything, just so we could train. So we were able to keep training, you know, with mats here. And uh, I was doing conditioning at my living room. And uh, I was actually having nightmares coming to my living room because I know how, <laughs> how tired I get when I, you know, when I, when I would be there. So now, when I look at my living room now, I'll be like, I have bad memories about this place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch TV. <laughs> Every time I watch TV, I just see a shadow of my former self doing yeah. jumpy jacks. Exactly. That's awful, man. Dang. So how's it live with Jordan, dude? I know Jordan, I um, he had been in the circuit here in Arizona, and yeah. he did a, a fantastic job here. He was very, very fun to be around. He's actually, fun fact about me now, my very first ever like conversation I did in Portuguese um, was with him. Like I actually like went up to him confident. Like it's almost like going up to like tell somebody something you're really nervous about, and like I'm like whew, whew. I was like, hola. <laughs> I just started out with that. He was like, hey buddy, how are you? And I asked him if he was gonna go do worlds, and he said yeah, and then responded in Portuguese, and I was like, oh, I understood his response. If he would have said anything else but that, I wouldn't have understood it. So I got lucky, but. It was uh, it was really cool. He's very, very nice. Um, yeah. And who who else is there? Is it just you guys and Jordan, or 
No, here at my place, yes. But uh, at, at the time during quarantine, we got a couple other guys that were living by themselves too and isolated, you know? Awesome. Yeah, it's very, and that's very kind of you to open up your doors to people who are feeling isolated. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to ask you a couple things about, about your guard, since obviously, like we talked about earlier, your guard's like really, really difficult to pass. I don't think I've ever seen anyone pass it in competition, but what are some of the things that you try to teach, like maybe like Jordan or some of the guys are coming up with, like some of the key principles for their guard retention, like how to not get their guard passed? Then, so that's a, actually an amazing question. You know, people sometimes they focus too much like, hey, so do you need to be explosive to play guard or do you need to be flexible or do you need this, this and that? And, and to be honest with you, you need to know the concepts. You know, once you learn the concepts, you're able to adapt it to whatever you want to do. You know, because like if you... If, if, if I'm in a class, you know, if I'm teaching a class and there's people from white belt to black belt there, everybody with different body types, different body weights, and I show a technique. Everybody's going to do the technique a little different, you know, just yeah. just the way it is. Even if they're doing the exactly same technique, some people are just going to do a little different because of body limitations or, uh, you know, different uh, for different reasons. So instead of using techniques by itself, I like to work on the concepts. And when I do teach techniques from guard, I try to use techniques that will teach the person the concepts of guard itself. Mm -hmm. Also, for example, that's one of the reasons that, that I like the classical open guard so much. Because uh, I believe that is the type of guard that when you learn to play well, you're going to learn the, the fundamentals of the open guard. That is... Uh, breaking the posture, controlling distance, being offensive, being defensive. Let's um, say keep the distance already. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Hip move, hip movement. You know, so that that's why it's a guard that I feel it's it's one of the best ones to learn, especially in the beginning, because once you 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 are able to to learn well the concepts from this guard, then you're gonna be able to to apply those concepts in other types of open guard. Mm -hmm. So you think of it kind of like it's a very like once you're open minded and you have the classic open guard, it's almost like a route to where you can branch off and go to other guards just off of that one principle. Exactly. OK, that's very smart. It's very insightful. Does that change? OK, how does that change from gi to no gi? So pretty much, Jake, the, the concept will stay the same. I mean, you still need to break the posture. You still need to be offensive and being defensive. You still need to move your hips out. You still need to uh, to control the distance, you know. So, of course, it's gonna vary the, the technique itself, but the concepts stay the same. So, for example, if if I'm doing, let's suppose you're you're a beginner and uh, you just learned these concepts in the gi, and you then you go you transfer to no gi, and you'll be like, okay, I'm playing this guard, and then you start you then you start thinking, how can I break my opponent's posture from this guard, whatever guard you're doing. How can I, what's going to be my offensive situation on this guard? How is going to be my defensive situation on this guard? How is going to be my, uh, my posture controlling power on this guard? How is going to be my uh, distance controlling on this, on this guard? You know, then you start transferring. Does that make sense? It does. It really does. 
I have another question to kind of build off that because um, one of the things that I struggle with personally sometimes is like managing that offensive and like defensive mindset. Like sometimes I feel like if I attack too much, I'm exposing myself and that can create some like scrambles or transitions that I could potentially lose. So like how do you – what tips would you have for someone like me or anyone else who is having trouble like balancing when to be defensive and when to go for your offense and your attacks? So then that's actually a very uh, a very good question. And uh, so the way that worked for me, you know, is first, and, and one more time, like I said, I didn't do that because I knew what I was doing. You know, I just like forgot and I ended up on, on the right spot there, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I built first a defensive guard. Then I became more offensive from it. Why? Because I believe that when you play guard with the confidence, like, okay, this guy's not going to pass my guard. I'm safe. Then you attack with more confidence. Mm-hmm. Now, as, yeah, oppo- sure. as opposed to, okay, I'm going to attack, <clears throat> but if I mess up, I'm going to get my guard passed. That's it's not going to make you attack with confidence, you know? So uh, that's something that I, I like to tell uh, the students and the people close to me is like work. Make sure your your guard is 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 hard to pass first. And I mean, there's various ways of making our guard hard to pass. Maybe we're attacking a lot and not g- giving your opponent a chance to to be offensive. You know. But I mean, when I mean being defensive, I mean uh, learn the learn the cons of guard retention. You know, if you have a good guard retention, if you if you're if you feel good about your guard, if you feel good about not having your guard pass, then you're gonna attack with confidence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, that's a and that is so important for especially like I feel like the white belt, blue belt level to get to understand first is you need to not get beat up before you can do any beating up. You know, it's like the, in every combat sport that is is so important. No boxer just goes in and has his hands down and doesn't get tagged and learn to protect himself. No wrestler just goes out there thinking, I don't need to know how to sprawl or how to move my hips or position myself. It's like, it's almost like we're safe. You got to save them from being unknowingly arrogant. You know, like you have to be able to defend first. And that's one thing that's one of your biggest strengths that everybody will say just watching you is that well, who the heck is going to pass this guy's guard? You know what I mean? And you've gone against, like I said, Hanato Kanuta, who seems like he just kind of finds some weird way to pass people's guard like backflipping over or something like that and you did a very good job um i have so, yeah, one no, more totally question agree. to kind of build off that if you don't mind is that cool no Jake? i love it yeah dope so i listened to your podcast that you did with uh, bjj fanatics and one thing that was really interesting that you talked about was how you think that one of the biggest reasons that your guard is hard to pass is because you play a lot of different guards so you can deal with a lot of different situations or a lot of different passes so like let's say for example Someone has like a good spider and daily Hiva guard, but they want to add like half guard to their game or something. Would you advise them to first focus on like the defensive principles of half guard and kind of use that as like a way to get back to their like their strong suits? Or would you say that they kind of have to learn like everything about that position as well? Then so I need you you need to go to build from the ground up, right? I mean, mm-hmm. how are you gonna play half guard if if there is no guard? What I mean by that, if the person passes your half guard, you right. know? So you need to first maintain your half guard to be able to attack from there, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, like some basic, like very basic concepts that I, I apply in half guard are, 
if you're on bottom, of course there are exceptions and everything, but in general, I would say if you're on bottom, you want to get sideways, you want to avoid getting cross face, and you want to fight for your underhook, right? Those are like, I would say, the most basic principles you would need in half guard. Yeah. So sometimes I see people playing half guard, they're completely flat, they're completely twisted by a cross face, and they're trying to attack, they're trying to sweep, you know, and like, it's, it's not that way. You know, you gotta uh, go slow. We start, okay, I maintain my half guard. It's like uh, even on uh, on dominant positions, you know, sometimes I, I'm teaching the fundamentals class and uh, we do specific training for side control. And as soon as we say go, some people just try to mount right away. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, okay, so two things might happen from the situation. Either you're going to be able to mount your opponent or they're going to recover. And and that's not a th- those are not good odds. Like 50-50, you either win or you lose on a 50-50 uh, percentage, you know. Mm. So if you can stay three minutes, maintain your side control, that's a freaking win for you. Mm-hmm. And on the next round, on on the next day, whatever, you hold three minutes. No, you hold one minute. You'll be like, okay, my opponent is really stuck. Then you're gonna try to attack. You know, because, guys, at the end of the day, if you really go to the roots of jiu-jitsu, you know, it's a self-defense art. So the, the principle would be to to not get to not get beat, to not get smashed, you know. So if you can maintain a good defense and then attack, I would say is the, is, is the goal, you know. Yeah, it does. Jiu-Jitsu, one of the things that Gracie said was he may not win every single fight, but he'll never get beat up. Like, that's like the what yeah. Jiu-Jitsu was kind of founded on. So, yeah, that's and that's very insightful for me, by the way, because I also teach a fundamentals class. So, like, I when you said some people try to mount right away, you gave me like a living room flashback, like a little like yeah. oh, I have a nightmare. You know what I mean? Uh, and I used to do the same thing. And I'm sure I don't I don't want to say that you have, Lucas, but like everybody starts there. Um, and it is exciting to see that kind of development. As a coach, uh, has there been like specific events in tournaments or in competition that you something happened to you and it really opened you up as a coach? That may is that. Do you understand what I mean by that? Uh, can I explain? So, like in in, com- in competition, you'll be presented with a situation like something happened to you in tournament that oh wow, I should have reacted like this, and then you incorporate that into your teaching. Jake. W- all I can I say is that it's coaching is such a hard job mm-hmm. because everybody is different, you know. So sometimes I I coach somebody that way and I know what triggers the person to get motivated, you know. But what triggers this person might not be the same thing that triggers the other person, you know. So with some per, with some people I need to be maybe a little harder on them. Some people I need to be a little softer on them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and finding that balance, it's, it's one of the, the hardest things in, in coaching, I believe. You're probably going to agree with me on that. Yeah. You know, so uh, sometimes you, you're coaching somebody and one coaching strategy is not working. Sometimes you, you need to change it on demand, change it right there, mm-hmm. you know, to make it work. I understand what you're talking about. I know. I just like it hit me like just as you said that. I was like, oh, that's you just hit me with a you just hit me with a parable. <laughs> you totally did. That was really good. 
Yeah, I feel like I'm not a coach, but I feel like one thing that I noticed about coaching is that I think it'd be super difficult just to be able to like take different people from different backgrounds who are putting different amount of efforts into jujitsu and to be able to give each of those persons, each of those people what they need on an individual basis. Do you guys feel like that's like one of the biggest challenges, like being able to give each person exactly what they need when it's their needs are different, basically? Yeah, it's pretty challenging. Um Again, just like most things, if you put a lot of care into it, you understand that in a class setting, a big class setting, it's very important to give your best effort and try to explain things in a way that at the base, at least everybody could grasp. Not everybody's going to fully understand it. Your ears aren't always ready to hear things. That Just the other day, Andre told me a basic principle about a double underhook guard pass, and I'm like – oh that really and he's like dude i told you that when you were 14 years old (laughs) and i'm like yes i'm totally serious he's like and then that's just i wasn't ready to hear it back then i wasn't ready to understand it because my brain wasn't developed or maybe i just wasn't paying attention at that time who knows but the bottom line is as a coach and i maybe you'll be able to expand on this lucas uh a challenging thing for me is finding ways with fundamental techniques or advanced techniques or for kids you have to explain things differently according to your group that you're teaching to. 100%. And that's one of the challenging things for me. A hundred percent. And uh, yeah, to be honest with you, when I feel like I need a, a lesson in coaching, I just watch drag coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like he is definitely one of the, the best co- coaches of all time in jiu-jitsu, you know. And uh, man, if I could say a huge quality of his coaching is he recognized the the individuality of each of his athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, I like you saying that it's very challenging to find a balance, and uh, somehow he's able to find a balance amazingly well. You know, so like he knows that with some people he they're better if you go really hard on them or if you say something. Like maybe just a word that will pump them up, you know, or maybe just leave them alone is going to be better at that time. Or, you know, it's it's a challenge that is very motivating. Yeah. And being a coach for a long time, that's one of the things about experience. Like you said, my profile, very, very uh, proud to be with my professor because he is a similar and is very similar to that in the sense that he's able to read people very well. And he's able to see, okay, I know that after just a little bit of time, I can see that this person has this kind of personality is going to respond well to this kind of coaching. And I think that comes with experience. Like you said, me and you are newer black belts. You, uh, you got your black belt 2017. I got my black belt 2019 where you've been black belt three years, one year, wait until, I mean, how long has Dracolino been a black belt? <laughs> He's six degree now, so. Man, that's a long time, you know what I mean? So he has had all that time to just, like, over time get experience and get knowledge. And you being surrounded by that is going to speed up the process for you. And that's just one of the cool things about coaching jiu-jitsu is when you surround yourself with people like that. And I feel like that is why teams like Jack Dracolino and, and Galvão's team and uh, teams with experienced professors do so well is because they're able to cater towards what people like really what they need is they need to feel like jujitsu makes sense you know what i mean yeah and if they can have a professor that brings out the qualities in jujitsu that they can understand then they'll grasp the concept easier exactly mm-hmm. 
that's probably i mean i would i would venture to say just a guess or maybe an estimate that your guard your ability to understand the guard is probably because Draculino was able to be like, oh, this is how Lucas is going to understand it. And your professor was, this is how Lucas is going to be able to understand the principles of this. And then you're like, oh, shoot, that makes sense. And then phew, you're off to the races, having the hardest guard to pass in the lightweight division. Mm-hmm. So, man, so like, eye-opening. Jake, so like Jake mentioned, you guys are both like really young black belts. And I know, Lucas, you're like in the pretty much the early stages of your competitive career as a black belt. But do you think about like opening a school and do you think about your legacy at this point? Um, I know it's kind of probably far off and you have a lot of tournaments and a lot of competitions left in you, but do you still, is that still something that you kind of put a lot of thought into? Then to be honest with you, uh, not really, you know, I like to, I actually leave those things at, at, at Draco's hand. You know, if, I trust him 100%. If he, if he, if I get to the point where he gonna, he's gonna come to me and say, Lucas, so I need, you need to open your school at this place. You know, I know he's being 100% honest with me, and uh, then it's, it's time to do it. You know, he's he's definitely not the type of the guy. So I believe Drac is not the guy that ju- he creates uh, soldiers. He's the type of guy that creates leaders. You know, so he doesn't he doesn't try to to keep everybody under his wing. You know, he gives wings to his students. That's awesome. You know, you you can see by like you can see by major of his uh, higher rank uh, black belts nowadays that became like amazing leaders. You know, like Homlu himself. Yeah. You know, so. Um, like Homu was able, you, you're talking about uh, Benio, right? Benio Darush. He's home. He's a homeless student, and uh, mm-hmm. and I mean, Homu became an amazing leader himself because he has such amazing leader in drag. Oh, so you you and Homu are both black belts under Dracolino. Yeah, we're we're both from the same hometown, Belo Horizonte. I would love to meet uh, Dracolino because I mean, I've had an amazing experience with Homu. I, I remember I fought uh, Jonatas. I was this Gracie at Abu Dhabi Grand Slam, and I I got off the mat, and Homilo was like, didn't even know me. He's like, hey, you. <laughs> I was like, you know, this is obviously Homilo Bahal, brown, but no one knows who I am. So I'm like, oh, what? And he's like, man, come here. <laughs> he's like, that was so cool. That was a good match. You were, Every day, Pohada, that's you, man. You fought so hard. <laughs> and he was like, because he was just starting the brand, he's like, that is, I could see that. You are, you're going to be good. And I was like, Oh my gosh! Like, <laughs> Homie Ball just you know, and that, and now when I see him at tournaments, I say hi, and he's really really cool. Uh, and that man, I need to meet uh, Vinicius Dracolino. I wanna man, I definitely would like to meet him. You're gonna love him. He has a strong personality. <laughs> oh, pfft. listen, if there's one thing I can say after uh, the last hour is that you and I have a lot in common, Lucas. We have very similar environments that we train in. My my professor, Andre Maracaba, you could ask Danny. He has a notoriety in Arizona as being a, quote, <laughs> strong personality. At tournaments, he's screaming, and he's passionate, and he loves his students, and he's another guy that makes leaders, and it's like – he made he, and he's the kind of guy – I'm sure if you asked Draculino, like, if I, if you went to him, he'd probably be really, really humble, right? He'd be like, oh, man, I just, I just, I just want people to learn. I want people to yeah. be the best they can be. But, like, you know, he doesn't even know maybe – you know, my, my coach would never tell me, oh, yeah, I make leaders. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, I'm glad I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 
that's really cool. I'm glad that you that uh, it's cool to see like somebody else who has a different lifestyle being brought up in a similar way in a jiu-jitsu environment and ending up doing uh, having the same goals. And, cool. You know, Danny. Uh, you know, guys like it's so Danny is still answering your question. So that's not something that uh, I think about. But at the same time, I know that whenever it's time, I'm going to be able to do a great job because of the way that I learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And Jake, you're, you're asking about me and Homelo being from the same school. Man, I like our home is school in, in, a, in a BH. So I'm going to tell you a few guys there uh, that we are from the, the same exactly gym. Not even from, uh, the, from the same gym. It's in, uh, in Belo Orizaji? Yes. Okay. So uh, it's me, Homelo. Samuel Braga, Felipe Pena, Gabriel Arges, uh, Marcelo Urapuru, Caloquinha, Eric Vanderlei. So we're all from the same gym, yeah. Vanderlei? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eric. Vanderlei? Yeah, Eric. Okay. Man, that is a murderous man. That's a like, crazy line. Felipe Pena and Gabriel Arges are both from Belo Horizonte, Gracie Baja? Yeah. Wow. Me, me and Gabriel acted from the same neighborhood. <laughs> No way! Do you guys ever like before? Did you were you guys like friends when you were younger? Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. We were blue belt. So Gabriel actually leaves. Uh, Gabriel's uh, parents they leave two streets above my my parents. Oh wow! Yeah. That's super crazy. So you were rooting for him? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just playing. No man, he's a Gabriel's a good guy. I like I like him a lot. He actually me and him are supposed to. He keeps on ducking me. Gabriel Arge, if you're listening, uh, we're supposed to play CSGO, and he has not been playing. He doesn't want to play <laughs> Counter-Strike with me. So, whatever. Kind of feeling a little insulted here, but uh, told me he was going to play. Still waiting. Guys, so I, I got a question for both of you now. How do you all feel about trash talking? <sighs> I don't like it. I don't think it's necessary. I see why people do it. Uh, unless you're Colby Covington, I don't see why you do it. Uh, I think Colby Covington is actually just a, a bad dude. I don't, I don't really like him. But um, uh, I think that it's it's not good because it gives people an unrealistic view of a personality. Like, okay, let's look at Gordon Ryan, right? Everybody's like, oh, but Gordon Ryan's really nice on in person. But then you're trying to separate Gordon Ryan as two different people when he's the same dude. So how he is on social media, that is part of who he is because he has he's taking the time to post negativity dylan danis conor mcgregor uh uh i think chael said is a little different because he was he never actually insulted anybody if you go back and look chael Sutton actually was just literally being a wwe guy um except for the one time he's he was really mean to anderson silva and then he got beat up and i was like whatever dude glad you deserve <laughs> it but uh <laughs> and then he got he got the crap beat out of him um i don't think it's necessary i don't like it uh Maybe you, uh, maybe Danny has a different opinion of me, uh, being a wrestling fan. I'm just kidding, because I'm a wrestling fan. But uh, yeah, I, I don't like it. I think it has no place in, uh, especially in jujitsu, man. That's not the vibe of jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people don't do jujitsu to, for, like, you're not catering towards that audience. MMA is like very different, in my opinion. And even then, it's not necessary. So, Danny, what are your thoughts? I don't know. I kind of go back and forth because sometimes I think about it in a way where it's like, okay, you're bringing more eyeballs to the sport. Like, yes, maybe you're 
creating yourself as like a villain or whatnot, but then that also leaves room for like the opposite to shine through. So like you might have someone who's like a, a Dylan who talks a lot of crap, but then you have someone like Jake or like you, Lucas, who, you know, doesn't do that. So it kind of, you know, creates that, that disparity between the athletes. So I don't know. I, I don't na- naturally, that's like not something I like, but, um, I understand that it brings more eyeballs and maybe more money to the sport. So I kind of go back and forth. Talking what about Benil Dariush, <laughs> uh, he goes like, I love how he does this. All right, I'm making a call out. Robert Whitaker, I want to be a dad like you one day. I love <laughs> that he did that. That was so cool. He was like, you're a great father. I want to be a dad like you. I'm like, oh, that is not a call out at all. That is, like a, <laughs> that is a compliment. Uh, what is your opinion on it, Lucas? Man, so I'm kind of with you. Like, I understand why people do it. But uh, I'm also, man, like, I, I believe that everybody's is going on their own journey, you know. Why are you going to try to spill hot water on somebody's journey just to, you know, like, like I, I have the same opinion as when you were when you're driving and somebody cuts you off and you get pissed about that person. It was like, man, you know, you, you could get pissed. You have the right to get pissed because they did something wrong. But at the same time, you don't know uh, what they're going through. You don't know. Maybe they're late for something really important. Maybe, you know, so like what I think is taking the time to actually go and talk negativity about somebody you know means you're not taking the time to put positive positivity into your life yeah you know so i'm talking about a more uh personal uh view on this instead of a marketing view oh okay like you mean have we have we been like in that situation where we've been trash talked or or what do we feel like when it happens to us too yeah, that, that too. But I mean, just just like you said, you know, like you uh, like when you go and, and you fight somebody that is uh, trash talking you. Man, yeah, that's OK. So, so I have two opinions on this. If they beat me, I feel worse. I'm like, man, I was so nice because I, I have never actually talked trash about anybody. Uh, I have fought like friends of mine. And I jokingly talk to them. Like I message them on Instagram and I say, hey, you better be ready. You're my first round match. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's joking. But like people like, um, for instance, like Ronaldo would say that like I'm an easy match. And then I beat him. You know what I mean? Or something like that. And then uh, that that kind of stuff, it, what, in my opinion, what it does for me is it takes – okay, if I win, now I'm like – how do I put this? How do I put this? It takes everything. Like, I didn't do anything, right? Like, I was so nice. I am that part of my goal is to be nice and to be kind to people and to show people love regardless of how they treat me, right? But, like, when when now I'm in this environment where we're in a competitive environment and they talk trash and built themselves up and I was only nice, now it's like, man, I cannot wait to win so that I can just be more nice. I'll never even say anything about them. I'll never say, oh, I shouldn't have talked trash. I'll just be like, hey, I still think he's an awesome competitor. You know, and I think that that puts the ball in my court. Like it gives me power. And if anything, it just makes me feel better about the fight. Would you change yourself, your personality to do that? You know, because and I also believe it's something from uh, that it has to come from your personality. You know, if you are like, let's suppose if you start trash talking, it's not going to sound natural. 
Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be weird. You know, I know yeah. it's not gonna be natural. <laughs> but like there's some people who have this personality already of trash talking and, and this kind of stuff, you know. But even so, I think it's uh, unnecessary. If if anything to me, it just just motivate motivates me more. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you know, one thing very powerful thing you said to me after third cause I was pretty upset after I lost to um uh Arges. And I remember you messaged me, uh, I had said something like about the performance that I was a little disappointed. And you said, hey, man, listen, and you met, you messaged me, actually. And this is it was very, very kind of you said, hey, like, just like I think you need to think of yourself as the best, like, think of yourself in like a confident way. Hey, I believe I'm the best in the world and I want to prove it. And that's and that's not necessarily being egotistical. It's not saying that, you know, statistically you're the best. It's like, hey, you need to carry yourself like you're the champion and you want people to see it. And that's how, hey, that's like a beautiful, really empowering way to think. And it helped me out a lot, first of all. Um, and that's not that's not talking trash. That's just being like, hey, man, like that's that's my motivation. That's different. And that's why you just said it doesn't sound natural to talk trash. That's why you didn't t- you weren't talking trash to Lepre. Let's go back to that example. You weren't talking trash. Like it didn't sound like you were talking trash because everybody knows you don't talk trash. So it's just like um, I, I I like that you put it that way because like you like Gordon takes the time, for instance, to go on Instagram and look up people and and talk trash on t- random people. And there were there have been times I'm not perfect where I have like I talk trash to kind of the arch. Because uh, there was like some post about USADA or whatever, and I just like said something about him. He got offended and he he messaged me uh, or responded to the comment, and I immediately felt like, dude, that is why did I do that? Like I just put negativity out there for nothing. So I apologized to him, and I actually sent a message to Angelica Galvan as well, apologizing for that too, um, just so that she could forward it to him. But I felt so bad. So like you're right, it's not a part of my personality. It's not a part of if it's not a part of your personality. Well, if it is, you shouldn't do it anyway. But <laughs> it's not a part of my personality, you know, and I I felt that, and I haven't I haven't talked trash since. Jake, and I I think it's like if you like like I said, ev- everybody's on their own journey, you know, and uh, man, to be honest with you, I was so like people have different opinions, you know, like some people will say that. Uh, that uh i mean some people will swear that michael jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time mm-hmm. other people will swear that is actually Kobe Bryant. other people will actually swear that is uh that is lebron james so i mean you will always be uh, subjective you know yeah. what is to be the best you yeah. know because like ti- titles not gonna make you the best how do I know that? Because, for example, in my opinion, uh, <coughs> for me, the, the greatest uh, jiu-jitsu player of all times is Roger Gracie. Mm-hmm. You know, there is people with more titles than him now. You know, that is also, I mean, phenomenal. But for me, the greatest is Roger. You know, so for, I mean, for different reasons. Yeah, the way he won. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it's not about title. It's about, I mean, it's about different things. So, like, I started to to change my focus uh, away a little bit from what people think it is to be the best. You know, and um, 
So in my opinion, I lay my I lay my head in the bed at night, and uh, for me, I know I'm the best lightweight right now. For what? Because of how much I train, because of the way I train, because of how much I commit, you know, how much I dedicate, uh, the 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 person that I try to be, you know, the 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 professor that I try to be, the friend that I try to be, the the husband that I that I try to be, the Christian that I try to be, you know, and uh, those are all subjective things that some people might say yes, Lucas, it is the best light rate right now, and some people say no, he's not the best light rate right now, you know, but that's on their eyes, you know. So on, like I would I couldn't say that uh, two years ago for for myself, you know, I would say that I, I would I would tell myself I was getting there, but at this point now I tell myself that I can't tell myself that because I work for me on that path. You know, so uh, maybe you go. I mean, that's just so subjective, especially in sports. You know, some people say, oh, this guy, he wins. He has so many titles, but oh, no, he only wins because he stalls. Oh, this guy doesn't have that many titles, but he submits everybody. So you, you see how can that be subjective, you know? For sure. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like, for example, some people say, oh, George St. Pierre is the best pound for pound in MMA. But people say, oh, but he was super boring fighting. Mm-hmm. And then like, oh, so um, or in, in boxing, you know, like, oh, Mike Tyson was the best because he knocked everybody out. But they have Mayweather who didn't knock many people out, but what, but didn't commit mistakes. You know, so I mean, yeah. it, it, it is really subjective. Yeah. The bottom line is no one will ever be happy. <laughs> the, the public will never come to a consensus. There will always be people who say different things. Exactly. And, and I mean, every, everybody knows, um, at, at least majority of people knows when they're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can tell people you're the best or you're not the best, whatever. But at the bottom of your heart, you know, like, are you giving your best? Are you uh, dedicating as you should? If you are and you can put your head on the pillow at night and say that you are the best, but honestly tell yourself that's amazing, you know? But if you're not, like, uh, like, like, two, like I told you, like two years ago, I would put my bed on the pillow at night and be like, okay, I'm really working to be the best. I need to improve this, this, and this aspect of my life, of my game, of whatever, you know. So, so it's not about like who you beat or who doesn't be, or, uh, uh, you know, of course that like I do, I do all, all of that to prove to myself. You know, but uh, and I mean, of course, I live like in my career. My goal is to get as many titles as possible, you know, in like in an outstanding way. But in a matter of people think I'm the best or not the best, you know, I'm not. I, I change completely my perspective about that. So I have a question for uh, both you guys just to follow up on that. Um, so like both <laughs> you guys are pro jujitsu competitors, so. People are going to have opinions about you. And like you said, like people's opinions are subjective. But at the same time, it's like I would imagine I'm not in this position, but I would think that it's kind of hard to like tune people out sometimes and just focus on yourself like you talked about. So like was it a difficult journey to get to that point where you're like, I'm the best. I can say this for myself. I don't need validation from other people. Um, uh, Jake, you want to answer first? Or? I'll answer first. Uh, so I – Currently, 
believe after Lucas explained that, I would say I'm in the same place Lucas was two years ago, where I know I have stuff to improve on. I know I have some stuff to take care of off the mats. I know that there's ways I can apply myself much, much better. And I, I believe that when I'm doing that, I will strive to reach that point where I believe I'm the best. I have definitely in competition shown uh, shining moments where like I proved to myself what I'm capable of. Uh, but I don't re- like in the nicest way possible. I don't care what people think of me because like this goes back to the Christian athlete and the, and the, the value of Christianity. I only care what God thinks about me. I only care what Jesus thinks about me. And I know I read what Jesus says about me because that is why we have that book, the guidebook of life, right, Lucas? So I already know that you're good. Okay. You're good. (laughs) Man's best friend. Um, I already know that. So, and we're going to be met with opposition in everything we do because I mean, that's just the way the world works. If you're doing something right, you got haters. That's just how it works. Uh, And it sucks, but I don't really try to focus on what people say about me or what people think of me. I try to focus on everything Lucas said. Like, hey, you got to be working hard. You have to be – the life of an athlete is unforgiving at times, very unforgiving. And uh, I try to focus on that. Rather than what people say of me, I focus on what I can do to make myself better and to make the people that I affect better. So I'm, I'm not really focusing on, on, on that, if that answers your question. Yeah, definitely. And I believe that um, – Man, it really goes down to uh, it. I, I think it's, it's kind of like a roller coaster until you get, you know, because you, man, it doesn't matter how confident you say you are, you know, at un, unless I mean unless you at, you at least got to that level as a black belt kind of stuff. But when you were growing up in jiu-jitsu, you know, or on uh, my case that I started super young, just growing up in life in general. You, I mean, you don't even know what uh, being 100% confident is. You know, so sometimes you're going to win something, you're going to feel like a freaking superhero. And sometimes you're going to, you, you're not going to win and you're going to feel trash. You know, so it's kind of like a roller coaster until you're able to, to, to see that the, that's not going to, going to establish who you are. Yeah. You know, so. Like I could definitely say that I was um, that throughout my 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 childhood and teenage years kind of stuff. I was on this roller coaster, right? Until and then I started like just being on high, high a little more, and then going down. And then like, okay, let me bring myself back up instead of going one up, one down. You know what I mean? Like feeling yeah. good and feeling bad, feeling good and feeling bad. And uh, a good example of that is. Man, since I started jiu-jitsu as a, as a child, I pretty much won every single tournament. I actually, not pretty much. I won every single tournament until I was 13, you know? So that's when I lost my, my first tournament. And, man, like, in my little little kid mind, you know, it was, like, impossible for me to lose, to lose because I was just winning everything and, Everything seemed so so easy at that time, right? I mean, you were a kid yeah. and you were winning the tournaments. And when I lost, man, that hurt. That hurt a lot, you know? And then I started getting to that point where, uh, okay, I, I, I brought myself up from that, from that 
hurted moments mm-hmm. and then felt good again. And then maybe I would train not so well and then I wouldn't feel as confident anymore. And then I would train better and then get back up, you know, until you're actually able to to sustain that the high end of the roller coaster. That's true. Or just learn. No, I like what you said. Never mind. I like what you said. <laughs> my, my thing wasn't going to make sense. Anyway. <laughs> does, the, all right, Lucas. does that all make sense? It does, yeah. man. And no, like, that makes perfect sense. It's actually really, it's really cool to see um, a uniquely old soul come on the show. I would, would you agree, Danny? Like, I feel like I've learned a lot from you, and you're not much older than me, man. And it's really, it's really inspiring, not just as a competitor, but also as like a fellow follower of Jesus to see just like the effect that, I mean, you can really see the effect that he's had on your life, and it's, it's really, it's really incredible, man. And it's, it's really, it's, I mean, it's changed my life completely. Um, I, f- I feel like there's a direct correlation with your ability to carry yourself to success and the faith you have in God to give you the tools and the strength and the life to get there. And uh, yeah, man, I just I definitely applaud you for that. I just want to say that because I feel like Danny, uh, what were you just about to say, Danny? Well, I was just about to thank Lucas for all his time because we're coming up on like an hour and 25 minutes. Yes, sir. <laughs> Guys, uh, thank you for the amazing podcasting, for the amazing conversation. You know, time flew. Time did fly. It really did. I, I had to look up and second guess myself. <laughs> <laughs> really hope that uh, that people who listen to this podcast they can um, it, it can motivate them to to strive always to be the best. You know, but to do that with purpose. You know, and do that what why being a good uh, a good human being and. Uh, a good Christian, but uh, in general, you know, independent of people's religions, just to be uh, a good human being in overall, you know. Yeah. Yes. Hey, man. Uh, is there a, where can people follow you? Who do you want to shout out? Uh, I want to shout out my sponsors, of course. So, uh, Fighters Choice, Kings, uh, Gustavo Dantas, uh, Forward, um, Ama Fruits, Sanctuary Gym. Let me see if I missed something. No, that's it. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> well, um, thank you guys, of course, for the time. Of course. And we have some sponsors we like to thank. So, <clears throat> first of all, Electrum Performance. You're going to uh, – Lucas, you already work out. This doesn't – this may not even apply to you because look at you. <laughs> Athletic, ripped. Ladies and gentlemen, take a look at that man. Our YouTube viewers, look at him. You want to look like that? You need to go to electronperformance.com. Use OpenGuardCast25. That is our discount code. You want – you will be paying a fourth of the price using our discount code. Shake our hands virtually right now for using that because we are giving you – a squat favor you want to learn from the dean of power clean himself alex sterner that's what you want right there open guard cast 25 election performance we also want to thank agro brand uh chofit cryo high tier photography marshu andre academy and maracaba bjj first of all lucas before you go how old is danny o'donnell just look at him <laughs> 26 oh, 26 that was pretty that was pretty good i'm 31 Everyone always guesses younger. <laughs> 30, 31 never looks so good. Hey, <laughs> I'm going to put a compilation of people complimenting you after they get your age wrong. I was, but hey, oh, man, I actually wanted to shout out. Okay, so uh, Brian McCaffrey is a student at my academy. 
He is uh, 64 years old. He's recently been having some health issues, and he's a big fan of the podcast. He listens to our episodes. Right now, he's just he's going through a lot of uh, uncertainty and 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 some you know his health is just uh, not the best. He had a surgery, and he's doing well now. But uh, we want to give our love, prayers, and we just want to dedicate this episode to Brian. Um, you know he's such a great guy, and uh, I'll be seeing him soon, hopefully. But just Brian, if you listen to this and you, and you hear this shout out for you, just know we're thinking about you, buddy. And uh, yeah, that's my final parting word. Lucas, thank you so much for coming on, man. Brian, Danny? you stay strong, brother. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Lucas. Thank man. you. So, yeah, yeah, thanks. What's that, Lucas? No, sorry, Danny. Go for it. Well, I was just going to sign us out of the episode. Did you have something else you wanted to say before we uh, sign off? Thank you guys, and uh, God bless you. God bless you, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. That was uh, episode 41 of the Open Guard Cast with Lucas Valenti, and we will see all of you guys next week.